This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to your latest podcast on the Blood Red channel. My name is Paul Wheelock and with Liverpool without a game this weekend due to the international break, we thought we would shine the spotlight on football that is far removed from the Premier League. As listeners at home and abroad may be aware, it's non-league day in England, which means football fans, not just of Premier League and Championship clubs, are encouraged to get down and support their local team and discover just what a brilliant job they do. For this podcast, we have spoken to three people who play, manage and are heavily involved in non-league football in this area. Our first guest is former Liverpool youth team striker Craig Lingfield, who has just returned to Nantwich Town after spending a short spell with Runcorn Town. Our second guest is one of the most successful non-league managers of recent times, Neil Young, a big Liverpool fan who recently took charge of Marine. And our third and final guest is Paul Manning, who is the chairman of the thriving City of Liverpool Football Club. City of Liverpool are away on non-league day, but there are plenty of other games in and around Merseyside to attend. Southport are at home to York City in the National League North, Marina at home to Whitby Town and Warrington Town are at home to Matlock Town in the Evo Stick League, Prescott Cables, my local club, are at home to Kendall Town in the FA Trophy, Runcorn Town are at home to Greensborough Town, Liverland are at home to Fackley and Vauxhall Motors are at home to CM Red Star in the FA Vars. And Bootle are at home to Bursco and St Helens are at home to Daisy Hill in the North West Counties League. As for Craig Linfield, the former Liverpool youngster who fired the club to its last FA Youth Cup wins in 2006 and 2007, he'll be travelling to Mickelover Sports with Nantwich Town. And it's my chat with Craig that kicks off this podcast, followed by ones with Neil Young, the Marine Manager, and Paul Manning, the City of Liverpool Chairman. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hi Craig, thanks for, for speaking to me ahead of non-league day. Yeah, I noticed recently you were with Runcorn Town on a dual registration from Nantwich, but you're back at Nantwich Town, is that right, at the moment? Yeah, that's right, yeah, that's right. I'm with Nantwich again. Yeah, scoring two in the week as well. Yeah, got, got a couple of goals in the week. Um, got a call from Dave Cook, the manager, um, after the game on Saturday when we played, when I played for Runcorn, um, played Sills then away, who we were up. Uh, near the top of the league as well it was a bit of a six point at the top of the league um, we got a good 3-0 win away from home and then on the way home I got a, um, a text off Dave just saying well done and um, he'd like me to come back on the Tuesday to play for Nantwich um, I think there's been a few injuries or suspensions so it was kind of um, you know come back take your chance if, if you get it and see what you do and luckily obviously I've you know by me a uh, own admission I didn't have probably my best of games but it's one of them when you get on the score sheet obviously that kind of uh, takes away any any sort of opinion on your performance especially when you score two and you end up winning the game 2-1 so Most You've been doing scoring goals since you were kids. Like I know a lot of Liverpool fans will remember you from what you did with the youth team, you know. And then you you played football league with Accrington and Macclesfield Town. But you've been in non-league for now for I think it's five years. The past five years, are you enjoying it in in, in you know in non-league with teams like Nantwich and you've played with Chester and FC United beforehand. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it anymore if I didn't enjoy it. I still enjoy it just as much today as I you know I did as. 18-year-old lad playing for Liverpool. I mean, I've always loved playing football. Um, it's been my main hobby uh, since I was a kid. Obviously, I was at Liverpool from the age of eight and it's been my life, really. So, you know, to step away from it 
um, just because I've come out the league. That didn't really uh, wouldn't sit well with me. Obviously, I'd probably still play Sunday league if I wasn't playing non league. To be honest, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I generally just do love the game. Um, and in, in terms of non league clubs I played for, um, been quite lucky because the likes of FC United and stuff generally they get sort of two and a half thousand fans through the gates at home so in a way I've probably played in front of more fans for FC United than I ever done in League 2 for yeah. the likes of Accrington or Macclesfield so it's weird it doesn't when you had home games it didn't feel like you were playing on league the atmosphere was like like a league game if you like so um, now I've been quite lucky with the clubs I've joined in non-league so I'm enjoying it yeah I'm still enjoying it I've covered non-league football, you know. I've hopefully going to Prescott Cables on Saturday. My local team place you used to live yourself. Like it is special, isn't it? You know, there's there's a lot of volunteers there who do a lot of things behind the scene. You know, you get to know the supporters. Then it's a real community feel. Did you? Is that one of the things you love about non-league football? Yeah, I mean, as you say, there's a lot of volunteers and there's a lot of You know, for players who've been at professional clubs like you were with Liverpool and then obviously in, in clubs in the Football League to make that step into non-league in terms of, you know, going the part-time route and maybe going to tougher grounds that you, you wouldn't have thought you'd be playing, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the clubs I've sort of played at, um, I would have played at in like a senior cup game for Liverpool or whatever, you know, like say, come play Marine in the senior cup. Uh, it's different, obviously, going there as a one-off and compared to going and playing on uh, pitches and uh, grounds like that sort of every week. Um, it's Obviously, I was very fortunate to be at Liverpool most of my, uh, my career from the age of eight right through to 21. So the pitches I was used to were just immaculate, like carpet. And then obviously you come down even to like the likes of League Two. It's, it's totally different. Uh, you've got to learn to adapt and adapt your game and your style of play. and. Uh, I think that was one of the main reasons, really, that I ended up getting pushed out wide because uh, I was a striker all the way through the youth team and scoring goals, as you say, and doing well. But obviously, I was playing with good players, surrounded by good players who were, you know, putting it on the plate for me, really. So um, I went down to sort of League Two level, and it was a lot more of a physical game, and non-league exactly the same. Um, I've, 
obviously comparing non-league to League 2, um, I don't think there's too much difference in the way of quality. I think a lot of the lads in non-league now um, have looked at the pros and cons of playing in the league and clinging on to sort of that league status, playing in League 2 with, you know, not, not on great money, because obviously some of the fans may think that lads who play in the league are on unbelievable wages because they see what the you know, the Prem lads are on and stuff. Um, but I think lads in non-league have sort of gone, well, I can earn probably double what I can earn if I'm playing full-time football with yeah. League 2. So they've kind of gone, well, I'll go down the part-time route. And I think as a result of that, the better players are just filtering further and further down the system. And um, the, the league, the non-league's becoming a lot more competitive from that point of view. Yeah, I know. Obviously, there's a big name or a, a player who obviously made headlines when he went from Tramia to Bayern Munich. Dale Jennings. He he's just gone to Runcorn Town. You know, the club you were at for a for a couple of weeks. Did you manage to to speak to him and give him some advice, kind of thing? Um, I did speak to him, but you know, not in any great depth. I didn't sort of talk to him about Bayern Munich at all, to be honest. I just treated him like you know any other lad coming in because I'm sure that's why we we wanted to be treated. Um, there was quite a lot of media tension around it, as you say. Sky Sports actually came down to cover one of the games, actually. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of uh, attention coming Dale's way. Um, but, you know, Dale's, he's, he's been there and been at, obviously buying Munich and he's a good lad and he's a very good footballer as well. And from the short spell that I have had with him, I can see that he's got a lot of quality. Obviously, you don't get to Bayern Munich without that no. quality. Um, I don't think he needs any sort of words of wisdom from himself. I think he, he can um, sort of learn that for himself. And I think he knows enough about the game. Um, doesn't need me to tell him. But uh, from what I've seen of him, he's a good lad, as I say. And I, I think he's, uh, he's really, obviously, desperate to sort of get his kickstart his career again and get climbing back up the leaves which I don't see any reason why he can't because he's still a young lad really definitely just speak about when you were younger at Liverpool you won the Youth Cup twice I think you scored 12 goals in 12 games you, you won the Dallas Cup with a club I know you went on to play for the first team in a friendly scoring at Crew. Uh, do you look fondly back on what you did those days because you must be very proud of what you did with the youth team yeah I'm, I'm really proud I mean we were very fortunate we had a great group of lads um, our team that we had you know I can't believe that um, it's just a shame that not not more of that team sort of made it. Um, when you look back now and you, you think of the team that we actually had, um, there's probably only the likes of Jay Spear and then um, Steve Darby who've gone on to sort of play championship level, um, if you like. Jay played obviously quite a, a few, num- um, made quite a few appearances for the first team under Kenny. Um, but... Other than that, it's quite surprising really when you look back and think about how much success we had um, that no one sort of hit the heights and made it really. But at the same time, I think Liverpool had a pretty decent side at the time. You know, they had yeah. Alonso and Mascarano in the middle with Gerard and then Torres obviously in the form of his life at the time uh, up top. So, you know, getting to train and with them lads every day was, was special. Like, um, you know, you still get asked to this day what was he like in training, what was he yeah. not like in training. And at the time, you know, obviously you're just a player and you, you take it all in your stride. You don't really, you know, you take it for granted really that you're training and rubbing shoulders with the likes of them lads. 
Um, but it's only when you step out now and I'm sort of playing non-league and, you know, lads who, you know, maybe be a little bit younger than yourself. Obviously, I'm 30 now, so I'm getting on. Um, so, like, like a lot, um, there's a lad called Joe Malkin, who's Chris Malkin's lad. You yeah. know, he's playing for Tramia. So I travel in with him and he's constantly asking me questions. You know, he's a young lad and he just wants to know. And, you know, it's, it's nice to actually be asked um, about the Liverpool days and stuff, but you don't actually, I, I just think you don't actually realise how much of a fortunate position you're in until you sort of step outside and, you know, there's people asking you them kind of questions, really. Good stuff, mate. Well, Craig, thanks very much for your time uh, this evening. Good luck at uh, Michelover Sports, isn't it, on Saturday on non-league day for Nantwich and um, for the rest of the yeah. season. All right, no, good to talk to you. No, not a problem. Thanks very much. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. All right, hi, Neil. Great to have you on this podcast. Are you keeping well, mate? I am, Paul, yes, very much. Yeah, you recently took over Marine, who were at home on non-league day to Whitby Town. Uh, you're best known around these parts for the brilliant success you had as manager of Chester FC after they reformed, and you've also managed the likes of Colwyn Bay, Stockport County and Altingham. So what made you get back in the dugout uh, with Marine? I think Marine's always been a club, you know, that you look from afar and you think, you know, how well run they are. Um, they've been around for a long I know you're obviously from your Chester days. You've you've got a family. You've got a busy job yourself, but you've played in non-league. You're, I think you're coming up to ten years managing in non-league now. What is it that you love about it? Non-league football is it, it is you know the, the, it's it's the heart and soul of the players. You know they want they want to do well. Um, you see them like like you said earlier. You know the majority of them are working. You know and then, then they're coming to football and then getting in at one or two o'clock in the morning like we have in recent weeks, but then getting up and going back to work. It's the honesty, you know, and, and the people, really. You know, I've, I've come from, as you say, from clubs, you know, very community feel, um, the people, the supporters. I've always found there's nothing better. Obviously, winning football matches gives you, from a managerial perspective, gives you the buzz like you, like you never have, you know what I mean? So, um, and, and also to be able to put smiles on people's faces after good victory, you know, winning down at Brackley last Saturday in the FA Cup, you know, and seeing how much it meant to people, um, you know, does, does give you the buzz. Yeah, and and you said it yourself there. There's people at this level, you know, not just people like yourself and players who are working. There's volunteers at this level, isn't it? Who who are doing it for yeah. the for the good of the good of the club, really? Yeah, the volunteers are the heart and soul of any football club. You know, Marine and and and, and Chester in particular. You know, they they provide the support and the Everything you know, they, they haven't lacked anything in effort and commitment for us and their attitude. 
and as I say, off the pitch, fans, supporters, you know, they, they, you know, they're really keen, and you've got right behind the team, great following down at Brackley last weekend. Um, you know, so all that pulls together, you know, from a managerial perspective, it gives you the buzz to, you know, to want to do well for people. You mentioned that Brackley game there. You've you, you rewarded Salford City in the FA Cup uh, a week on Saturday after this weekend's game against Whitby Town. Like uh, it's a big, big couple of weeks for you, isn't it? With non-league day and then that cup game. It is, yeah, mate, and nice easy one. You know, for the FA Cup <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't become much more difficult. Um, but you know, you've got to respect what Salford have done. You know, phenomenal rise up the up the leagues. You know, plenty of investments, and I, I know people talk about playing budgets a lot, but you've also got to see. The investments in the club itself and its infrastructure, not just the, the team, it's, you know, that's been built there and the, the ground that's been built for, you know, people who know football also understand the amount of work they're putting into, into the football infrastructure around their recruitment, their scouting, you know, and, and if people are willing to go, you know, that far and saying, you know, because football infrastructure is a massive thing, I think, and, and, they, and, I, and I do believe they're doing it the right way. Um, you know, we're trying to do it on a, small, a lot, a lot, lot smaller scale. Um, um, we're trying to put building blocks in for the future to give us a chance of ultimately trying to get promoted out of the, you know, out of the, the, the Unibon Premier League um, or Evo State Premier League now, sorry. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's difficult cup tie, but, you know, it's an intriguing one as well. And it also gives me um, and, and our, and our um, staff, you know, gives us a barometer where we're at because you're not, we're not going to come up against a side anything like Salford, I wouldn't think, no, this year. No, Salford obviously they're getting things right on the field in the in the national league. They're right up there near the top. It's the standard just getting better, not even at that level when you drop into the the conference north and then as you say the Evo Stick leagues. Um, yes and no for me. I think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of it, I think it might sound like a strange comment. I do think in the you know, like Salford obviously, but I go back to when I managed in the national league with Chester in two thousand thirteen fourteen. You know, we still had Luton Town, Cambridge United, you know, Forest Green, uh, you know, uh, these are all clubs who, who, who really set a standard. So I do think it's still strong. I just think now as you come further down the pyramid, particularly probably the Conference North, uh, the, the Conference North I don't believe is as strong as the Conference North, you know, when I was in it. But I do believe in terms of the top teams, because you did have the Files in there then, you know, the Harrogate Towns, the Halifax Towns. What you do now have, though, I believe, is more better teams, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So there's more teams of, of, of quality. I don't think there's the, the top two or three um, as were as good as what they were then, but I do believe there's a lot more better teams now. It's a lot more competitive um, division. And then obviously that, that goes down, down, down the pyramid. So if you were a Liverpool or Everton fan, a bit of a loose end this Saturday, would you recommend them coming down to Marine against Whitby Town or any of the other non-league games in the area? Very much so, yeah. You know, with people who love football, you know, whether it be Liverpool, Everton, or anyone really, is get down to your local, your local team and, and watch them, give them support. You never know how much you'll enjoy it. It is, you know, real good. It's, you know, and people are really nice people. Um, but more importantly, I think they'll be surprised at the level of football. You know, the, the quality of some of the football I've seen, you know, from from our side and, and, and sides we've come up against, but also. You know, as I said before, you know, some of the, when I was scouting for, for Halifax last year, some of the games I watch, you know, as good as you'll see. Yeah. You know, it's too, you know sometimes like more like basketball matches in terms of entertainment. You know, my, probably from the managers and coaches' perspective, they weren't great, but from a, a paying customer or a fan or a, or a floating fan or a neutral, you know, some really good games of football. And I think if you look at 
non-league day and, and, and the teams in, in the region, you know, on Merseyside region and, um, and, and close to ourselves, we've got some really good competitive teams, lots of them in fact, you know, so there's lots of, obviously uh, we get people to get down to Marine, but you know, your local club, and I'm sure if you're in the Merseyside area, you're going to be watching a good game of football. Definitely, just a final one. You're a Liverpool fan. I don't know if you'll get too much chance to see him in the flesh now, given how busy you are. But uh, what have you made of him so far this season? Um, I don't think he got started fully yet. I mean, he had a great start to the season. Um, I think you know, I think a lot's been made of a couple of bad results, or not bad results, but indifferent results maybe, because people got carried away about the start that they made. Um, but you know, if, if you look at the, the Napoli game of was it two minutes from getting the draw away at Napoli might not have played the best but we've all been in them games uh, Man City last week was a different type of game uh, but you know I think once the, the lads up front get fired um, obviously the club and its recruitment and, and obviously Jürgen Klopp have brought in some fantastic footballers but the, the key thing for me is watching them they're just such a delight to watch yeah. you know and um, when, you, when you're watching when, when you're watching them play like that I think once as I said before once the Front three like Kafiren as well. Um, you know, I think there's waiting for another good season. Neil, enjoy Whitby on Saturday and then Salford the week after. Thanks, Paul. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, hi, Paul. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. You're okay, mate? I'm fine, thank you, Paul. Yeah, thanks for having us on. No, pleasure. Well, now City of Liverpool FC are away on non-league day, all the way up in the northeast, I believe, against Hebburn Town in the FA Vars. But what a good season you're having so far. You're top of the North West Counties League Premier Division. And what a good few years you've had since forming in 2015. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, this, this season, you know, we we have... It's only a start, but we've got off to a very good start. We're still uh, still unbeaten in the league after 12 games. You know, we're top of the, top of the table... Uh, we're two points clear. We've got a, I think we've got a game in hand on Nuncorn Town who took them behind us. So we've had a great start, and it's it's really all credit to uh, to the new manager we brought in, Craig Robinson, um, who took the reins just after pre-season had started, uh, and really pulled pulled all the lads together, pulled the dressing room together, has made some really good signings as well, um, and they're really delivering what we. What we, you know, we, we we always envisage for the club. You know, this is the sort of sort of performance level that we that we always wanted. Now let's talk about why you formed the club and when you formed the club. You're talking three years ago now, and anyone who knows Merseyside football and the surrounding areas will know that this it's home to a lot of non-league football clubs. So, what was the motivation in setting up City of Liverpool? Yeah, well, it, it actually goes back further than than 2015, Paul, which was when legally the club was formed. Yeah, we started talking about it. Well, you could, I mean, you could go back as far as 2008 when the subject of a, a, a non-league football club for the whole city was first sort of talked about and muted. Um, but the motivation was, was simply uh, that regarding the Premier League and our two big clubs, Liverpool and Everton in the city. Um, and it's not a criticism, you know, it's, it, it was never intended and still isn't a criticism of Liverpool FC or Everton FC or anything. They're in the Premier League bubble, bubble that's top level football. They have to do all the things that they have to do to survive at that level in terms of ticket access, ticket pricing, memberships, you know, the absolute sort of palaver that goes on now for local people to be able to get 
tickets to see their, their two local teams. I think it's, it's certainly more more of a problem at Liverpool actually than, than at Everton actually currently. But um, it, was, it was just really a reaction to to our two big clubs sort of moving further and further away from their local their local fan base. You know, and certainly in, I'm a Liverpool fan. Certainly in the case of Liverpool, um, it's a global brand. And as I say, it's not a criticism. That's what they've got to be to survive. The one Liverpool FC, one of the biggest clubs in the world, biggest brands in the world. So it's natural that they want to try and attract support and, and attention from all over the world. But there's, there's kids in Liverpool, there's several lost generations in Liverpool who cannot get to, to go to Anfield. You know, youth lads of between, I suppose, 16 and 18, 19, used to be able to go to the game together with your mates, etc., etc., back you know, there was a lot of a lot of factors really in just thinking it needs to be done. But another major factor was, <clears throat> excuse me, that there's no non-league sort of. There was never a non-league team that, that represented the city. All the clubs were representing various little areas of the city. You know, say Marine up in Crosby or Boot or uh, Little Andremica, Prescott, and we just thought, you know, we were looking at it from I suppose a marketing point of view. We thought. Why limit ourselves to one particular area of the city? Let's, let's have a club, City Liverpool Football Club. All the footballers that the city produces, all the coaches that the city produces, managers, all over this country this weekend will be Scouts football players playing for football clubs or, you know, spread. So it was, as I say, there's a lot of different factors, but um, we just thought it needed to be done, and so we, we got on and did it. And, fought a load of battles to get to the point and say we formed in 2015 but we started playing football in season 2016 and 17 and we've never looked back really no, three trophies in your first season, then you know another one in your second. I think I'm right in saying. Then obviously yeah. you're top this yeah. year, uh, so it's it's been a success. It is a success on the field, but it looks like it's a success off it. Not only are you getting uh, this season alone 500 plus 600 plus to your home games, which is is brilliant, particularly at the level of football you're currently playing at. But you're doing a lot off the field as well, aren't you? In terms of community activities and charity work, why do you think you're proving so popular at the moment? popular at the moment Paul to be honest it's been popular from the start and the, the reason for that going back to, to thinking about it as a marketing proposition back in those early days we did a lot, an awful lot of local market research we did, this this was never just some people in a room deciding we want to do this you know we, we you know, I was a, I was a long-established Liverpool fan. Most of the people early early doors we were talking about on the club were, were long-established Liverpool fans. We knew literally between us thousands of local football supporters. So we were speaking to them. We were we were getting surveys done, and we knew that people were looking for a value for money alternative to the you know the Premier League football, and they wanted somewhere where they could go with the with the kids, the sons, the daughters. They wanted somewhere where they could stand on a terrace. And have a pint, be trusted with a pint of lager, um, and you know something that wasn't going to cost an arm and a leg to, to, to take your family to something that you know was, was was enjoyable almost in a sort of an old school you know old school football support type of way. So really, what we're seeing is is the fruits of that. Initially, we had I'd say a lot of market research, so we knew there was a there was a demand if we could get it right. Um, and we've had to work very, very hard to make sure that the overall support and experience, if you like, of coming to our games 
is right. You come into a welcoming football club where we accept people are going to want to have a, have a, a laugh and a joke, a sing, you know, have a pint, have the kids with them, have the wives with them. It's, 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 it's a facility where we were never, we never looked at it where we were trying to compete with the other local football clubs as such. That was never the intention. The intention was to compete with, say, Showcase Cinema or Liverpool yeah. 1. You know, can you get a dad or, or a mum and dad or just a mum, even because we've had that as well, to bring the kids to, to see us, you know. And, and adults was five pounds, now six pounds. Kids under 16 are three. So a family of four can come to watch, say, City Liverpool, pay maybe 10, 12 pounds to get in, two adults, two kids, three. You might spend 20 or 30 pounds on having a day. The football is also good. You know, we've always played at a high standard in this in this league. We've always been up near the top of the leagues we've played in. We've had great cup runs. So it, we put we put the, like the foundations in place, focused on supporters and entertainment and getting people to want to come and watch the games. And it really has just panned out like that because even though we planned a lot of it. It's a funny story, but in our very first home game in the league, we were playing big up butter. in the first division. We were 2-1 down, going into injury time. We actually come back and won the game. We scored two goals in injury time. But a friend of ours, Jason Morgan, did videos all our games. Just happened to capture the moment when the winning goal went in. <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the ground. The crowd erupts, and two of our players, our ex-players now, actually, Joe Camozzi, Chris Lester, they come running in and jumped in the crowd, and he got the video... And we put it on the YouTube channel. The video went viral. Everyone was like, I'll have a bit of that. You know, we've seen it, that it wasn't just 30 old, like, 30 old men and a dog. You yeah. know, nice, classic cliche. Yeah. It was exciting. It was fan engagement. So it just, it took off and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Come to the games, it's cheap. Bring your family. You can have a laugh. It's like proper football support. And the football's good as well, so it all just worked out well, to be fair. Just a final one, mate. You're currently ground sharing at Bootle, who are at home on non-league day, should point out to Bursko. But I know there's plans in place to have your ground of your own in the very near future. I know the yeah. Echoes reported on that earlier this year, but for people listening to this podcast who may not be aware, what's the latest with it, with the plans for the ground? The latest is we've got we've got a period of exclusivity on the old Fazakali playing fields, which is uh, on Longmore Lane. From Liverpool City Council, the site is owned by Liverpool City Council. Um, so the site is ours to all intents and purposes. The council are carrying out some testing on on the grounds. There's quite sort of muck and mud dumped on the ground on the pitches illegally several years ago. And the council are trying to establish whether that needs to be completely removed or if it can be sort of just what they call bundled, pushed to one side and make it make an almost sort of like an amphitheatre type scenario on, on the on the site. So once we know whether what's going to happen with, with the, the mud and, the, and the, the, uh, the, the rubbish that was left there, then we'll, we'll know what our plans are then. We'll be able to sign a lease, hopefully, with the council, long-term lease, peppercorn rent, um, and we started fundraising to, to raise the money to, to build a stadium, which we think... Uh, we're looking to raise possibly somewhere between 1.5 million and 2 million pounds. We're very, very close to having a 500,000 pound of that already, already sorted. So, um, at some point, uh, we're hoping either towards the end of this year or early next year, we'll be signing a lease with the council, uh, 
So this is a stadium which, when built, would be owned literally by individual shareholders in the community who would all own a community share uh, and then, you know, have a responsibility themselves for the success or otherwise of the stadium. It's almost separate to the football club because we've got shareholders in the football club. This is shareholders in the stadium. So generating local wealth. Now, when I say wealth, I don't mean anyone's going to be a millionaire or, yeah. or anything like that, but you buy a £100 community share and that share can rise in value if you know if, if we if we run the stadium successfully in terms of letting you know 3G pitches out throughout the week, uh, throughout the week, 18th, 21st, all that sustainable stuff that that any football, in fact, any sporting club at a at a you know an amateur or semi-pro level leads. So um, it's all very very positive. There's a lot of hard work involved in that process, and um, we're, we're reliant upon the council. To some extent, we've had some great support. For instance, um, myself and my colleague Peter Firmage, we're going in for a meeting with the Everton FC Chief Executive Officer Denise Barrett-Baxendale later this month. So Everton are interested in helping us to some degree. We don't know what what form that might take or not. It might just be a chat. We don't know. Um, it's just a really, really exciting project that we're working on. And we're all volunteers, Paul. No one. Yeah. This is not a job. You know, we've all got jobs and wives and whatever else. So, yeah, all really positive, mate. And uh, hopefully, 2019 we'll see that the stadium project really kick off. Paul, thanks very much for joining me, mate. Enjoy uh, the step up to the northeast and non-league day. Uh, thanks very much, Paul. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.